0: Hi everyone, Ian here. Now for reasons I can't explain, I had some issues with my recording, which of course I only found out about after we'd recorded. Lewis has worked his magic to recover it as best he can, but the quality is far from great. Hopefully this won't spoil your enjoyment of this episode too much, because we had a really good chat with Gerald about Galforce. So please have a listen, and hopefully you'll still enjoy it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And welcome to episode 21 of the Retro Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Ian, and as always, I'm here with Lewis. Say hello, Lewis.
1: Hello there.
0: Got uh, a special guest with us for the first time on, on the podcast. I'd like to welcome Gerald Rathkarl of the Anime World Order Podcast. Hey, Gerald, pleased to have hey. you on the podcast.
2: Thanks, guys, for having me. Oh, you're most
1: you. welcome. You're welcome anytime.
2: <laughs> One of the few places I'm welcome. <laughs>
0: You're always welcome to talk about
2: Galforce. Well, I'm always ready to talk about it.
0: Good. So, today uh, is the third part of our Galforce retrospective. Um, and as Gerald is the biggest Galforce fan that I know, um, we wanted him on the show so that um, we can talk about Galforce in uh, general. So, Gerald's going to join us for our reviews of the tender Galforce Force. Scramble Wars and Gale Force: the Revolution, and then we're going to have a bit more of a general talk about Galforce as well. So, before we get into our reviews and talk of Galforce, uh, Lewis and I are just going to talk briefly. So, at the start of um, February, we had a 10-day trip to Japan, which we mentioned at the end of uh, the last episode of the podcast, um, and it was a, a really, really good trip. It was a really, really quite incredible experience.
1: Yeah, really amazing. Like each uh, each city we visited was fundamentally different in every walk of life. Really, it was astounding.
0: Yeah, it was quite incredible, actually, how different. That took me by surprise, just how different. So we went to Kyoto, Tokyo, and Osaka, and and each one was just uh, just such a different vibe and feel and sort of pace of life. uh, So it was incredible. So we did a lot of good anime stuff. We we saw the full size Gundam. Diver, we visited the um, Ghibli Museum, and we spent a good sort of half day in Akihabara
2: as well. Man, you guys got in months. just in just in time. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as we're recording this, the, the world is on lockdown for the coronavirus, and the Ghibli Museum is closed, and all that stuff is yeah. closed. Yeah, it would have been a horrible crying
1: shame if we'd uh gone over at just the wrong time. But well, I think I, it was it was just as it started becoming a problem. So
2: I have friends who are just arriving there now. So Really yeah? Well yes. I mean <laughs> it, is, it is
1: Sakura season and like flights are usually like one of some of the most expensive at uh, this time of year. Yeah. And now yeah. they're down to like five hundred for a turn, yes. which is unheard of. Yeah it's Red. crazy. I mean
0: I I think if we'd gone there a week later I think we'd been in all sorts of difficulties getting back
1: hmm mm-hmm. yeah it's uh unfortunate but we made the most of it and uh we did. yeah yeah we good had some amazing food. food as
0: well i mean i had some of the best meals i've probably ever eaten out there so uh, yeah
1: queue in 60 minutes for ramen oh, yeah
0: <laughs> wonderful. yeah he would be everybody ramen
1: you know, no place- wrong 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 if you're in Osaka and you want to queue 60 minutes for the cheapest and best bowl of ramen you'll ever have it's human beings everybody noodles Sorry.
0: That's Human right. beings, everybody, everybody knew. Was, that's 800
1: right. yen for a bowl of ramen, approximately 3 euros fifty, four 4 dollars. It's, it's incredible. It
0: was um, sublime. It really, 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 truly was sublime.
2: So I, I'm curious, how did you guys prepare? Because I've, I've wanted to go for my whole life, but uh, I don't know what to do other than go to Akihabara, and I don't know who to talk to. I can't even speak the language, so... <laughs> I feel like I'd just be some stupid gaijin walking around just in a tiz. <laughs>
0: well, there were a few things that, um, I mean, I've wanted to go sort of since I was about 16, so, you know, probably the best part of 30 years. So over the years, there's certain things I've wanted to see outside of the anime and stuff. So should be across in, see the Imperial Palace, see some of the temples in um, Kyoto. I bought a Lonely Planet guidebook, which was oh. really, really good. Um, And there was a few other things. I read through that in the cities that we wanted to go to. You know, there there were some highlights there. There's there's a very, very good travel guide as well, a website. I think it's called Japan Travel, Japan, no, Japan Guide. And that highlighted a few things because Lewis and I went to the Fushimi uh, Saki District in southern Kyoto. And I only found out about that through um, this Japan Guide website. So uh, that was it.
1: If I was to recommend things, it would probably be just like learn your learn your basic sort of learn your basic Japanese like convers small conversational pieces, how to compliment you know food and uh, places you're going to be asking the price of things, direction of things, just conversational Japanese, and then also I think a a website that recently just launched um, built by an English expat is abroad in Japan. He has a YouTube channel as well where he shows you like. You know the best things to do in forty-eight hours in this city, or you know, um, twenty-four hours in X place, uh, Y and Z. And he, he really, you know, gets into the nitty-gritty of um, a traveler's guide to Japan. Really, and I think that's a, also a great resource. Ah, okay, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I learned about Lewis actually quite impressed me with his uh, level of Japanese. I learned about fifteen phrases: um, hello, goodbye, good evening, good morning can I have this, can I have that, how much is this, uh, where's the toilet, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is delicious, you know, those sort of phrases. And I'll tell you, a little went a long way over there.
1: It uh, does, yeah. yeah. Went, they, they, really, they respond really well to, uh, to your, you know, trying to bridge that communicational gap in some places that you'd go that aren't necessarily heavily tourist-based. So it, it does go a long way.
0: Yeah, I mean, a couple of restaurants we went to being able to order in Japanese and you know, compliment the food during the meal, you know, went down very, very well, got a very good reception. Some of the Okinomiaki place we went to in uh, Hiroshima, Um Those mother and daughter, mum was probably, I don't know, in her 50s, quite elderly mother, and, you know, we, when we said that the food was good, oh man, they were our friends for life. <laughs> so,
3: um,
1: yeah, it was great. It was really nice. In the... Yeah, each city had a unique feel. I really resonated well with Osaka. Uh, I, I love their people. There, they're they're great. They're going through this nineties vibe right now, so I really think that's super cool. <laughs> yeah. Like high, 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 massive like denim jackets with graphics on them and uh, <laughs> yeah. camo uh, cargo shorts. Oh, they're great,
0: and that's where you see a lot of cool cars as well. You see a lot of the um, sort of Fast and Furious style.
1: Yeah, the Japanese street cars Street pretty cars, big there. Yeah. Ah. Mm.
0: So, yeah, it's yeah, very cool. It was a very cool place. Yeah, yeah. And the Louis Vuitton store and um, the front of it is made to look like um, sails of a galley. Of yeah, the they,
1: they love their Louis Vuitton in the the Eastern countries. They really do. <laughs> yeah. It was
0: a, a very very ornate shop. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. But each each place we visited was impeccable for its own reasons. Mm-hmm. Really. So, Lebanese country I've ever
0: been to as well. It was spotless. Just no litter at all. Yeah. There's no bins either. And the place is spotless. It was amazing. Very efficient. Very, very
1: efficient. So, yeah. Perfect for you because you're an engineer. So, yeah.
0: I like yeah, order and... Yeah, order and efficiency. Sure. Like, this is brilliant. It's great. But, uh, <laughs> trains on time. Everyone queues up. There's no pushing or shoving. You know, it all just
1: works. Yeah. Yeah. Decency everywhere. It's great.
0: Yeah. yeah. I wholeheartedly recommend it, Gerald. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it was an amazing place. Really, really, very different, really, but
2: really cool. Yeah, one day I'll do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, you definitely, uh, definitely recommend
1: it. Book now while the flights are cheap. <laughs> Plan for ahead.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny. My my one of my friends goes there uh, late in the year, like November or so, and now mm. the, the plane tickets are going way up in price for that time of year oh, because really? no yeah. one can go oh, now. Yeah, and so you know it's, they're packing the flights now for later. So. Oof. But they've got to make their money back somehow. Yeah.
0: yeah expecting it to all be sorted out in uh, seven or eight months'
2: time. This, uh, this apocalypse we live in, so. <laughs> yeah, The Last of Us.
0: Yeah, we were talking about the various zombie films, isn't it? 28 days later, sort of uh, scenario
3: before long. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Just a matter of time. Yeah. One of these days, eh? Can't wait. Okay. Uh, all those nerds want to believe that they're going to be the survivor. <laughs> <When it comes laughs> yeah, I you know, know. Yeah, if everyone uh-huh. believed that they'd have like, yeah, I'd do pretty well in a zombie apocalypse. There wouldn't be one. No, 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 We'd all me, just be it. just be the mindless zombies.
1: Exactly. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, yeah. moving on. I, guess, I suppose. So
0: Flipping on, yeah. So uh, let's start talking about Galforce So, Gerald, you know, please uh, tell us, you know, what kind of you know attracted you to Galforce in the in the first place, and why you ended up becoming such a super fan about it.
2: Well, I guess to put it very simply, Galforce is my favorite thing. Like, it's it's my favorite thing in any sort of media at all. It is not the first anime I watched, not, like, far from it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I believe uh, I'm from that early, uh, the early Robotech generation. Right, Um, okay. And so... Uh, I came to Galforce uh, when it got released in America, so I've still got the the VHS cassettes of it. uh, So that's about 1992 or so when it got released in English, and uh, that was when I had to order it through... um, they, They used to send out these flyers from a comic book company. And there was always maybe once every month or two, there'd be like a little section in it for what anime videos were coming out then at the time. And you could buy everything because sure, there were yeah. maybe one or two videos. And I believe it was Galforce and Project ACO that I got at the same time.
0: Ah, uh, right, okay.
2: And yeah, and that was, you know, the old CPM release. And of course, mm-hmm. CPM would put this essay on the back of their VHS boxes that it wasn't just a summary. It was, you know, this this, you know, 800-word essay on gal force really mm-hmm. yes yeah i still it's it was like you know there are very few times in history when something comes out that is called an instant classic and <laughs> it was just building it up and building it up and i thought well i'll give it a shot and then uh i i watched it and it's uh the, the this is eternal story and it yeah. sort of hit every single button and sort of hit every single part of my aesthetic that i liked yeah, and so- It uh, also ended in this way that I was really shocked by, that I didn't think, like, oh, you you wouldn't end, you know, this, a a show like that. And, uh, of course, I was, uh, it's it's always sad when you end up coming to something far, far after the fandom is all completely gone. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so, but... I was glad that there was all what did exist of Galforce, so I could get into it and see kind of what had been there. Um, I guess we'll get more into that with Ten Little Galforce, because there's some good stuff after that, um, yeah. after the the making of that. But yeah, then I got into that, got into the uh, the rest of the Galforce series, and you know, the Galforce Extended Universe, and uh, I've got like the... I mean it's, it's it's nice when it's when you're part of like a relatively small fandom like that cuz I could conceivably own everything Galforce without yeah. too much of a problem. I've got a bunch of the uh, art books and CDs and okay. the soundtracks yeah, this... on on CD and on uh, and on LP and the model kits Kenichi Sonoda the character designer put out some doujins with Galforce characters in them. So I've got a whole bunch of those.
0: Oh, cool! Cool.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. That's that's sure. awesome. That's one of those things. It's just like, as a Pokemon fan, I feel like I'm in an abusive fandom relationship with because it's like I want everything, but like, you know, they they keep ruining the games with poor updates and and <laughs> no <laughs> no ingenuity and everything is just so expensive and hard to own. And uh, there's so much of it too. And yeah, uh, so much of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, because the fandom is so, because Galforce is kind of dead, which is, you know, it's, it's, I mean, that's, that's my entire life is, I've always been into, into things where there's nobody else into it. And, um, that's, but when I see something else about it, when I see some fan art, or I see, you know, some, you know, dojins or something like that, then that makes it extremely special. Yeah, yeah, it's a
1: deeper connection sort of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah like unless if i were into star wars you know you can no, no way you can own everything star wars there's just too freaking much and everyone is into star wars and it's not a big deal and so
1: yeah yeah so finding someone with that like niche mutual interest is kind of like a you you can pretty much guarantee they've got the same groundwork as you in terms of what they value in sci-fi and Yes, yeah. And, yeah, yeah.
2: To if the, if they were big enough to like mention that they're into that, then yeah, we've got we've got a good starting point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I came to galforce probably about ten years later with the CTM DVDs. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked them up probably about two thousand and three times, something like that. Two thousand three, four. read some stuff about it, seen pictures. So CPM did that box set of the yep. first three in Ray Galforce. Uh, So I picked up that and the two other single discs of uh, Eternal Story and, uh, sorry, Earth Chapter and New Era, and sat down and started watching it, and Eternal Story just completely blew me away. And again, it was just one of those anime that just pushed all my buttons. It did everything right. It had a great story, great characters, looked amazing. I loved the art design and the ship design and the the scale of it. Um, Great music. It was just it just really, really resonated with me. And as I said in our review, when we reviewed it in the first class from perspective, it was it's one of those anime that I go back to. I, I watched it again last week just in kind of preparation and it's just like, yeah, I like anime because of stuff like this, you know, it's one of those things that always reminds me. I've got a handful of anime that, you know, if I'm ever feeling burnout, I just need to go and watch some of these things and I'm, I'm right back on track again. Um, and the turn of story is one of those. I just think it's an absolute...
2: Really yeah and, and galforce was also that one of those shows that started me sort of looking into anime deeper in terms of uh, uh sure, you know yeah. whom who makes this stuff like i yeah, you know, yeah. i started following the director and the writer of it and i found oh the, you know the character designer for this also did this other show i like bubblegum crisis and and that's followed with other works down the line so i feel like it's like, my attachment to that, like, sort of broadened my understanding of anime in a big way, and, you know, that Katsuhito Akiyama is still working in the anime industry, yeah, yeah. and he's directing a Beyblade Burst now, which I hear is shockingly good for a Beyblade show. I need to find it. Man, <laughs> Beyblade, I remember that. Yeah. That's some good stuff. They're still making it, so... Yeah, yeah. they're
1: still making Yu-Gi-Oh! And, you know, that's the...
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, I've been, you know, following them, and virtually everything that Katsuhito Akiyama makes is shockingly better than it should be, because um, yeah. uh, I've followed, like he did, uh, Battle Athlete's Victory, which was great, and uh, a lot of um, Legend of Black Heaven, and so all of those things are things I like quite a bit. Yeah, because the
0: first episode of um, Soul of the Anchor that he directed I think is yep. really, really, really good. The second episode, which was directed by someone else, I think he's just not a patch on that first episode. Yeah. Uh, that that first one is another really, really good uh, sort of action girl sci-fi uh, OVA. I, I think it's brilliant, the first episode.
2: Right, yeah, I remember Sol Bianca well, and then they tried to reboot that in the mm-hmm. uh, early 2000s. Yeah, it was
0: a leg- Sol Bianca, the legacy.
2: That's right, yeah. And they tried to sell that to the rave crowd. They had like rave music videos on the DVDs. Oh really? I've um, yeah. I actually I've never seen it,
0: but um, they were selling it in a right stuff sale last year for about eight bucks. And um, I, I picked it. I finally picked it up because I kind of been put off a little bit because I really really like that first episode of Soulja. I think it, you know, it's one of those things. It's all almost perfect as a, you know, as a 50 minutes or whatever it is of, of animation. It's just really good. The second one, the second episode of that first AVA is, is a real letdown, mm-hmm. and all I'd read about the legacy was that it was just awful, so I'd, I'd never really bothered, but having seen that set break, let's say, break back to the old Jenny on set, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, it's worth a pun, that sort of place.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, the original one is one I would like to see released again, because mm-hmm. uh, that's one that's fell, fallen out of license, it was an old ADV release, and I believe it is now just lost, so...
0: Yeah, because it was um, it was released in the UK by a company called Cassetti.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it was a, a, a small uh, anime label that disappeared in the late nineties. Uh, yeah, some sort of late nineties, maybe two thousand and one-ish. They disappeared from the UK market. Oh, oh. they they released a few DVDs. Oh, I didn't, I didn't oh, they released like uh, Macross two. They released Sol Bianca. They released Over Theme Three and Four. Huh. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the other sort of anti-titles. So, yeah, they had a few, really, Gunbuster as well. They released what Gunbuster. A variety a bus- of things there. Yes, yeah. I know, proper mishmash.
2: <laughs> huh, yeah. It's, uh, I was, I, I, when, I, when we did our Overfiend episode, I actually did a bunch of research on Britain because I know it had a far bigger impact there than it did in America.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. You absolutely... I remember listening to that episode... Um, maybe a couple of years ago, and um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It took the UK anime market like 20 years to get over things. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, that article that you um, that you talked about in your review, I'm, I'm sure you, you talked about the, um, the newspaper article. That, uh,
2: yes, that was the title but, uh, of the episode, I believe, yeah.
0: Oh, right, okay. Yeah, they, um, there was this big thing about it, and in, in loads of, once that newspaper article got out, there was loads of other, Talk about it in the media, um, and yeah, it just everyone then just thought anime or well, Japanese animation was just this lurid, violent, pornographic cartoons.
1: And, uh, I, I mean, they're not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it it did literally take like twenty years to get to fully really shrug out legacy of the thing. Really was years.
2: that was that uh, with uh, Pokemon coming in? Did it shrug that off? I don't know. I think, to be honest, what, if you look
0: at the anime, and again, this is kind of, you see this in the US a little bit, but anime originally, through the 90s, when it, it was in its original boom time, was all violent action sci-fi OVAs. Yeah. Um, horror, you know, and then the, the hentai, some of the hentai stuff, like um things. And Giuseppe released some other Stevie, hentai DVDs, like the names have escaped me completely now. Um, but yeah, there was, I mean, it wasn't until there was like a general shift in what was being licensed in the UK, probably through the 2010s, when you started to get, they started to license a lot more newer stuff. And then there was, you know, the small slice of life, car room, you know, that all that kind of thing. The more that got licensed, like Manga Entertainment, they had this sort of paradigm shift in what they were licensing 10 or 15 years ago. And um, all that stuff that was their bread and butter, just all the licenses ran out, and they started licensing newer stuff, and the general shift in the industry, that slowly, you know, and the release of all the Ghibli films probably, that slowly changed the perception, you know, it finally got over that hurdle that was <laughs> the end of the age of
2: yeah, I mean, a lot of those things aren't even being made anymore, which is, you know, that was mm. CPM and manga entertainments, you know, that, that was what they survived on, were those one-shot, violent and yes, sexy yeah. OVAs or movies, and uh, they don't make those anymore. Um, no. That's really a, a product of the 90s and, you know, the 80s. Yeah, um, absolutely. So,
0: So, even after all these years, then, so... Whatever, 28 years down the road, you're still as big a Galforce fan as you were back in '92,
2: then, Gerald. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's a lot easier now because with eBay, I can go on there and just see like what's around and mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> see you know what little remnants of Galforce I don't own. Like I own the Galforce um, Super Famicom like disc system game, which I can't play, um, even oh. though I have played it in an emulation and it's terrible. But it was like, yeah. well gotta play this and uh then you know there's a a a personality on twitter who is very into Galforce and uh you know we chat back and forth a bit about it and he found or yeah, he found uh like there was another Galforce game that came out that was like a, an adult game that followed the storyline oh, really? yeah but had like sex scenes between some of the girls on it and i was stunned yes, of like course. did not i'm I I was mm. shocked. I didn't know that this existed, um, but uh, yeah, th- there's finding little things there and here, here and there. So if I ever go to Japan, I'd like to you know see if I can do some digging and find anything like that. Yeah, oh,
0: is, yeah, that, yeah. is the that game you're talking about, like a uh, Burton Story shooter?
2: Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I've seen video of Yeah, you can emulate it very easily. It's uh, v- it was actually interestingly enough made by Hal, who makes uh. Still around today, and makes the curve. I believe they make the Super Smash Brothers games. And uh, he, what's his oh. name? He, 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 Iwata. Iwata. I, he, Iwata. Head of yeah. head of Nintendo, who sadly passed away some years ago, worked on that game. Mm. He's in the credits. Uh, okay. no One way. of the first things he worked on. So, yep, yeah, that's it. All started with Gal Force, or at least I like to pretend it does. <laughs> it all comes back to Gal Force eventually. Yes.
0: Actually. <laughs> that's I didn't know that, yep. um, it's a fantastic um, franchise really and that original trilogy I think is just a really, really good uh, story, Stardust, like you know, Lewis and I said it, the first sort of 20 minutes or half an hour is a bit talky, it's a, a big exposition up, but then gets into a, a really, really good final battle, you know, it comes to a great conclusion.
2: Right. It's, uh. I mean, each one of those episodes, like, end very, very soberly, very dark. Yes. It's a very dark ending, mm. and I mean, it's, uh, as you guys were mentioning in your episode, it's sort of a reflection of the Cold War at the time. Yes. And sort of a uh, ultimately, where is this leading us? You know, Stardust War, like this idea that literally the rest, oh, the only thing you're fighting for in the end is Stardust. There's nothing going to be left. Um, mm. I mean, it's it's fascinating to me that they, they open that episode that each side has uh, created their star destroyers. There's, st- and they've yeah, both lost their home. Yeah, their ultimate weapons. Yeah. Yeah. And so ultimately they, and you know, it's only this group of people that figure out like, okay, where is this leading us? Like this can only lead us in one place and it's pointless to get there. And I mean, I was alive during the cold war. I, I remember, you know, when Berlin, the Berlin wall came down, mm. but I, you know, I was very young then. But you know, when you like read up and, and look up on it, like it's people were afraid, like it was going to end like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I can remember it's a very very early memory of mine. We where we my parents used to live before where they live now um, was very close to a lot of army bases and was a prime target for an attack. I remember this one time that they um, did a drill and they tested the alarm, the the early the three minute warning alarm or whatever it was. Distinctly remember there was this thing and there was just this panic and unease. I can remember my parents being a bit nervous because it was a big deal that they were testing this alarm and everything. And there were there were lots of. I remember all the if you remember this this memory of these leaflets constantly coming through our letterbox about this build up to it and what to do. It was yeah, it was an uneasy time.
2: Yeah, a huge amount of anxiety. And yeah, uh, yeah I thought that was interestingly re- interestingly reflected in Galforce. Um, I mean, certainly not the only, you know, sci-fi series to approach that. And it's funny because uh, Galforce did, those that first movie cribbed a lot from Star Trek 3. Yes. Um, yeah. like quite a bit, a bit. Too, as well. Yeah. yeah, and a bit from 2, right. But it's interesting because uh, that audience back then would have seen that and would have been familiar with it. Very much like mm. how the opening of Bubblegum Crisis, you know, was basically taking Streets of Fire. And that yeah. audience oh, would yes. have... That audience would have known that because Streets of Fire was huge in Japan, like everyone saw it. And so I'm curious what that audience sort of thought of it back then, like was did they th- think that this was like a rip-off or was it an homage or was it just sort of something that was there?
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things Lewis and I have spoken a lot about in the podcast is that uh, in a lot of this stuff, especially through the 80s and early 90s, you can see a lot of references to Hollywood films.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Just a little bits, but there's just these constants sort of homages to to Hollywood films, you know, pick out bits from the Terminator and you know other action films and Star Wars and, and whatever. So it's yeah, it's um, it's interesting how they work it in. And and yeah, like you say, absolutely. There's um, uh, homages to uh, Star Trek two II and three, which uh, I don't think they've been out very long at the time.
2: No, this. yeah, because uh, there was eighty six was the movie, and so I think Star Trek two II and three must have been like eighty. Two and four or something like that yeah yeah and that's
0: why I, I kind of was guessing because i think the original the motion picture was 1980 or something wasn't it so...
2: 79 or 80 uh yeah, somewhere around there yeah. It was... yeah and so um yeah it's it's interesting to me that uh i guess it's an homage if the audience is supposed to recognize it and it's a rip-off if the audience isn't supposed to recognize it so
0: yeah yeah, yeah you can never go wrong <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely, you know, the Cold War was um, sort of still you know, raging in, in 86, it was certainly when the production started, you know, probably for 85, you know, Reagan had announced the um, Star Wars initiative, I think that was 84 or 85, wasn't it, so and that, you know, stoked the um, attention up.
2: Right, uh, well, I think it, the Berlin Wall came down when, 89? 89, yeah. Yeah, um, and so that would have covered the whole original trilogy. And then, yeah, so the original trilogy was definitely made
0: while the uh, Cold War was still uh, active.
1: raging yeah. on. And Japan would already know firsthand the experience of nuclear weapons and things like that, so, you know... Yeah, like
2: these that these weapons that are just, wound. Yeah. just far too destructive for, you know, to exist.
0: Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, and that's what I think the, uh, that original, the Stardust part captures really well, is just this pointlessness, you know, this escalation And the pointlessness of the escalation, and like a nuclear war, no one wins a nuclear war. Um, No. That's what it was kind of showing, wasn't it? It's like they've got nothing left to fight, they've got these mega weapons, and for what? What what they got at the end of it, absolutely nothing.
2: And it's, it's to the point where they've even forgotten what they were even fighting. Force. Yes, like what exactly. is, what yeah. like, like, my understanding it, it's interesting when I, when I look at the the Galforce stuff, I've got the old model graphics art book that came oh, uh, yeah. with the uh, it was this English language comic of Galforce that was just done with model kits mm-hmm. and that was just had the original three characters. Um, I believe it was Rabbi Eliza and Rumi. and um, it was just like the end of the movie towards the end of the movie where they're landing on Chaos or Chaos. Well, I see. Yeah. And, but yeah, that the there's all this like backstory that supposedly exists there, like that I don't know where it comes from. Um, I mean one of my favorites was the I, I have an old issue of An America that had a review of Galforce and I really wish I could pull that find that again and find who reviewed it and ask them if they're still around. Because the the review said it doesn't say so in the film, but men used to exist and then were wiped out in a war. And I'd like to know, okay, where did it say that? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like like that's where interesting. is this? It's not ever said in the film. It's never even suggested in no, anything, no. and it's not suggested in anything that I've ever found. So where did this reviewer get that from? Yeah, they just invented. It was... Yeah, yeah it could it was be invented.
0: Rude... Yeah. It could be invented, yeah, because through those, well, through the, the six original, through the Akiyama films and AVAs, it's, it's never referenced at all why no. they're a female-only race.
1: Um, I mean, I, I don't suppose anyone's trawled through, I guess, interviews with the original director or screenwriters.
2: Uh, I've got a book with the, some interviews on them, but I need to, you know, pay one of my friends to translate them. Oh, okay. no, yeah. I see, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean okay. I guess the suggestion is very much that uh history is cyclical and will just sort of repeat itself constantly. because mm. um, I guess that is the theme, you know, throughout all of Galforce. Yes. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and certainly the ending of um, Stardust war and then the start of Ray Galforce with the technology being sort of you know, putting putting that sort of message out there and then it being found by the next race and then Kind of almost history repeating itself.
2: Yeah. Not learning the lessons of the previous disaster. This right. is
0: quite clear, isn't it, from one art to the next?
2: Yeah, and then, you know, then sort of trying to do that again with New Era, which I'm still sad yes. that New Era never got finished because I feel like it had potential. Mm. Um, but yeah, we only got, what, two episodes of that and it never had any conclusion.
0: Yeah, because that's interesting. So was it supposed to be more? Because it. Because Lewis and I, you know, we talked about that in our review. But, you know, it just there's so many unanswered questions or loose ends at the end of a best over tape. That it just yeah, feel really I, unfinished.
2: Yeah, I feel like it must have been one of those where they were just selling it tape to tape, and the second and the probably the sales weren't very high, and so they yeah. just uh, cut it short. Uh, yeah. it's a real shame because I think yeah, like it's it It's one that, as soon as it stops, is where I started to get interested, and then that was the end of it so yeah
1: i think it 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 suffers from uh, the 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 core story is really really good, really, really enjoyable, but I think what you said about its cyclical nature uh and the fact that it retells that through its it, even the the films and pickups is only interesting twice I think. Mm-hmm. without really putting some effort into expanding the universe and answering some questions if they if they tied unanswered questions across the series in in terms of eons where you know people were discovering certain things about it um and they had like a an underlying plot or plot points that tied into each I guess iteration it would have been like a lot oh okay that's you know, you'd want to watch them in a sequence or almost like the fandom behind uh, Star Wars, placing them in the correct order and, and working out the missing links and the cannons um, from the fodder, as it were.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I think that the, the very best of Galforce was as a, that original trilogy. Um, mm. the, yes. Yeah, yeah the... Sure. Uh, like, Earth... Ch- uh, I think Rhea was quite good, but I think, like, Earth Chapter was very sort of typical action... like, stuff... Like, I I feel like Gelforce loses something when you have a bunch of men there. Um, It's, I feel like it's, it should be like, you know, a space thing with, with women only. Yeah, Um, it becomes less about, less
1: about driving plot and and then it creates more scenes where, you know, the men and women interacting and it gets a bit, you know, focusing on interpersonal relationships and flirtations rather than driving the story forward.
2: Yeah, which I think we'll, I guess we'll talk about a bit in uh, Revolution, because Yes, has had some things in there that they've not done, that not tried it before. Yeah, but um, yeah, after, because I feel like they they were getting back to that with New Era, but New Era just I think I think the fandom was done by that point. I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, What what was left there was, uh, and I mean and this this might lead us into you know Ten Little Galforce, because that was uh, released between episodes two and three of the original series back when, you know, Galforce was probably at its strongest in terms of, you know, yes, fandom. Yeah. And and it shows. Yeah, enough that they could release this, you know, $70, $80 direct to video you know, one-shot, jokey comedy yeah. piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, a mockumentary
1: of, uh, of a production schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: because I've only um, got interesting with this second arc, that they, you know, whereas the Stardust arc was very much, you know, pure sci-fi, uh, you know, a different race, and so they tried to then bring it back to our world because, you know, with uh, a ray of Force, it's quite evident that the Cold War hasn't ended Yeah. at that point because they're still East versus West. It's that conflict is still happening, you know, the Americans versus the Russians. So I don't know if they were trying to ground it a bit more in, you know, our world. Um, yeah. In this feel. super fantastical, you know, space,
2: you know, battle beyond the stars type thing. I mean, that, like, Earth chapter and the, the Earth, like, the Earth arc, I mean, that that wasn't what interested me about Galforce. Um, like, mm. what interested me were the amazing, like, space battles. I mean, it, that mm. opening scene of, like, the enormous space battle and the bending lasers and the great mech designs, and then it sort of transitions to this, you know, husk of a world with, you know, people barely holding on, and I mean, that has a certain appeal, but it wasn't what I was looking for in Force. Some of the stuff in,
0: in Revelation, we'll hold on to it when we, um, for the actual review, but uh, yeah, I've got some thoughts and uh, some stuff that I, I want to talk about when the when review is so The Ten Little Girl Force is a one episode OVA released in 1988 directed by Kenichi Deftago predominantly a storyboard artist with a few director credits that include Macross 2 and Tinchinuyu Oki OVA's Kenichi Sonada was again credited with the character designs and the animation was done by AIC and Artwork uh, this was released in the US and VHS as the super deformed double feature with Scramble Wars but it never had a DVD release so Basically uh brief synopsis is this is a mock documentary of the making of Bell Force Eternal Story using chibi, super deformed versions of the characters. So
1: I, sorry, my sorry, my first question is do you think it adds or uh, removes from I guess the Ghoul Force
2: universe?
0: I don't know, I think it's a bit of fun. I don't think it adds anything to it, but I think it's it's a good bit of fun and nothing more really.
2: I think mm. it it adds a bit of a uh, bit of flavour. To to it that's uh, I mean of course there's nothing like you're going to pull from that from canon um, no no so but I greatly enjoy Ten Little Galforce Force I think it's ridiculous and um, yeah, it's certainly not meant to take itself very seriously um, no
0: no this was something that was definitely made for the fans
2: very it was yeah. nothing nothing
0: no other purpose to it at all other than that was it?
2: Very much so. It was sort of a, uh, from what I gathered, it's sort of a buffer between the second and third episodes that were, um, in fact, there was a, a, a bit at the, towards the very end where, mm. you know, Kenichi Sonoda made a little animation as to, is the excuses as to why the third episode was taking so long to come out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, very much, uh, It's it's very sort of melancholy for me to look at it, because I look at it and see like, oh... Look at this fandom that was there that I completely missed out on that was, you know, gone before I even knew Galforce existed. And,
0: uh. Mm. Yeah. Because I, I find it a real mishmash. Because there's like about four different animation styles all for it. Because there's the main bulk of the mockumentary. And then you've got this kind of steels thing, which is a bit odd. And then you've got, like I say, this sort of, sort of water painting thing that Sonoda did about why it's taken so long. And then you've got and the thing that this is what tells me that it really, really was for fans, was you've got the, the voice actress cast then singing a song in a pop like a in a studio at the end. You know? And and it's a real it's a bit of everything, isn't it? Within its twenty two minutes, it's got a bit of everything that will you know appeal to all the fans of Galforce.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, they even had those bits where Kenichi Sonoda was looking at the the fan stuff that had come in that he was being yes. sent, um, that, which were great. Um, but yeah, clearly they were you know just uh, trying to to keep the flame burning for Galforce until the third video came mm-hmm. out. And it's it's funny because like the a lot of the crew there look like that. Like um, I've got you know photos of. Uh, um, Tatsuhito Akiyama from that period, and he looks exactly like that. The director, <laughs> yes, like that was he, he. didn't play himself, unfortunately, but yeah, he was that. That is exactly what he looked like.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there's a scroll at the end when um, it's got the characters, and it goes really fast. And if you slow it down, it's quite interesting because it shows a lot of the actual, I guess, um, pictures of all the creative staff that had worked on the previous, you know, the first two galforce the movie and the OVA.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's easy to miss because it goes past really, really quickly, but you stop it and, and just did it scroll and stop. It's Yeah, it's there's a lot of really interesting detail in it like that, which is, is easily overlooked.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's also interesting that the basically the theme song of the galforce series uh, came from this short the sort of the theme of the series was the song called a spy's undiscovered size. and uh that is sung at the very end and i guess they actually had a concert clip there where they were singing mm-hmm. it and uh that uh, that was and then they they covered the song again for galforce the revolution mm-hmm. and it's a great little piece but yeah that like that galforce theme like came from that short
0: uh right. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I, to be honest, I hadn't seen it until I watched it for this review, first viewing of it.
1: So, a little trivia thing uh, uh, for my benefit. How long was the gap between the second and the third
2: trivia. Hmm. Let me see here.
0: I think it was about a year, wasn't it? So I'm sure Eternal story was 86, the structure was 87, and then...
2: This uh, was, yeah, I thought it was 88 then. For 88 asking. for Stardust
0: War, i pretty sure. I think it was about 15 months, something
3: like that. Mm. Oh yeah, it 80,
2: 87, it was November 21st, 87 was Part 2, and then, yeah, November 2nd, 88 was Part 3. So it was yeah, a little a tiny, a little bit under a year, which uh, wouldn't seem like that long. But no, it's a huge cap, really, is it? Yeah, I thought it was years they were talking about, but no, it's just about a year, so... Mm. But they were also, at the time, that was when Artmic was um, spreading itself quite thin, because they mm-hmm. were also deep into their other uh, gigantic, gigantic hit, of Bubblegum Crisis. Yes, so yeah. Because uh, Bubblegum Crisis came out 87, same year as Galforce Part Two, and so they were now riding high on this, and uh, Kenichi Sonoda was spreading himself very thin, because yeah, you know, he was yeah, the primary yeah. character yeah. designer so for it's... all of that. Yeah,
1: I suppose it would be very uh, very hard to keep uh, fan attention as well, in, in, especially in the era of the amount of anime getting pumped out. Uh. Yeah, cause and the other
0: thing, yeah. AIC were working on at the time, because they were well into the mecca, because we've uh, IO and Zero Rhymer and, and everything. That was, again, that started in 87. So as you say, AIC and were really spreading themselves to the time.
2: Yeah, and I remember, all of those videos, like they weren't, you know, the twenty, thirty dollars that you know we paid here. They were seventy, eighty dollars mm-hmm. per tape, and so that was uh, a lot of money that they were asking for fans to spend back then. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah that was. Uh, it was interesting to see. I guess they were just, you know, trying to keep it going. I don't know how this was distributed though. If this was, you know, something that was distributed to, just you know, you could buy it in stores, or if you have to send off to it in like a fan club. Way I'm I'm not sure. hmm Interesting.
0: Yeah, but, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, my, my assumption was this stuff just got popped out into VHS tape, and you could go to a video shop, or a hobby store, or whatever, and you would go and buy all these ovas like that. I mean, that, you know, I mean, I don't know, but that was always my assumption of how the that sort of home video market worked.
2: Yeah, yeah, probably was, or you know, later disc if you could pull that off. But yeah, I think uh, it's it's very funny because you know they. It's you know the making of Gal Force the movie as as if it were some sort of live action work, and yes. uh, tries to show like all these characters are extremely different as quote unquote actors as they are from the characters that they play. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the old. Um, there was this old series from Hello Kitty that they used to release back in the 80s as well, where they ran like a theater and it was always like the behind the scenes of them in the theater. Um, oh. Okay. Yeah, an old, old series like that. But yeah, all this v- very silly behind the scenes stuff. A lot of very, very dumb gags that I enjoy. And like the running joke in the series eventually became Catty having to kill herself by, you know, connecting the, the wires. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the trope. Yes. <laughs> the iconic scene. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, I, it is funny. I mean, I did genuinely find it quite, quite funny. There's a lot of running jokes for it. You know, the way Luffy constantly getting stretched off um, you know the director who wants absolute realism and he's always stitching them up and they're getting burned, smashed shot electrocuted um, and then like um, Elsa's uh, reaction to constantly being called um, to uh, constantly being called old uh, is really funny you know the bit where she's in the car and then Rummy calls her old and you know all of a sudden she's, her hair pops out and she's walking with a she goes, all my back suddenly hurts, you know those sort yeah, of things. Yeah, are, exactly. yeah,
3: there's some
2: great gags in it. Yeah, cause yeah, she, it's very well paced. I think Yeah, she's all of what 24. Good lord, over like <laughs> the hill or whatever. Yeah, it's uh, uh, certainly not all of the jokes you know age very well. But uh, mm. I think if you and it's definitely something that requires that you have watched at least the yes. first movie, um, yeah. preferably yeah. the second one as well. And uh, but it, it is a great little like. Gag bit in in between uh, in between those two, yeah, yeah. something like to sate the uh, the desire for the the finale, I guess. As yes, it were. right.
0: Yeah, I mean, personally, I have to say, I, I didn't think this had a lot of rewatch value for me. I watched it twice for the review, and once I'd seen it, and I'd seen all the gags. Second time around, it it was like some of it was still funny, but it's not. I don't think it's something that I would. Willingly go, oh, I need something to watch. Pop, pop on ten, the ten little cowboys. Sure. Uh, um, yeah, you know. Personally speaking, you know, I, I, I think it's a great little treat for for fans and everything. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't think it's me personally. Have a lot of, uh, really
2: <laughs> sure. Yeah, I've watched it a couple of times, and as long as you you know space out your watchings of it, it it still has yeah, value yeah. to it.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think I think because of what it is, you'll catch something new. About it to uh, sort of like, uh, by after you know after about three watches, you'll have seen it all. Yeah, and um, then you go. Yeah, you I, get did, the, I, did, I did
2: quite enjoy it. Yeah, and then you get the interviews with Kenichi Sonoda at the end, and mm. uh, he's wearing a Key West like sailing, t- sailing sweater or jersey, jumper, and uh, I don't know what I I want to know like what the story is. Like, did he go to Florida at some point and? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. There's definitely a story
0: behind that. I know, there?
1: Yeah, my favorite good. part is the karaoke sing along at the end. Yes, I'm <laughs> gonna be breaking that one out at the next party.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting that you know this was one of the more popular things that they did, but the conditions that they're working in are so like. Can you just notice sleeping on like the couch, and mm. like I, I wish that because he was a guest at in America at an anime con in like 1989 or 90 at like anime con like before anime con transitioned to anime expo and and so but he's not been a guest i don't believe he's been a guest since then and so i'd love to like ask him about that era yeah 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 maybe on your trip
1: to japan you can hunt him
2: down (laughs) oh yeah just some weird ass crazy gaijin asking him about stuff he did 30 years ago (laughs) i'm sure sure it was the the first time yeah he's probably does he's probably seen some weirder stuff yeah, I hope so. Uh, I I would love to be able to, like, chat with him about that era, because, uh, like, right now I believe he is doing uh, manga. Um, I think, I don't know if he's still doing the reboot of Gunsmith Cat's Burst. I think that's done. Um, and uh, then he was doing, uh, and then he's got this uh, Dojin that he puts out regularly that has very, very high-profile, like, artists working for it. Um, I got a whole bunch of issues of that. But yeah, I would like to see him, you know, doing stuff again, and yeah, uh, some more high-profile work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think he's a very good director. I mean, the stuff certainly that stuff he did in the late 80s and early 90s was really, really
2: good. Wait a second! Now that I look at this, he's been a he was a guest last year at Anime Central. Oh yes, because um, Kenichi Sonoda was uh, doing Writing Bean. That's uh, right. yes, like the, for the, the reboot uh, the of the writing, writing Bean. Yeah. yeah. So, I should have made my way up to uh, Illinois. Missed a trick. Yeah. He loves to come to America and and go to like shooting galleries and stuff cuz he's a m- maniac gun fan. Um, oh, is was you really? Yeah, I mean, can you just yeah, if you watch um Gunsmith Cats, like the, the detail that he puts into the guns is like pornographic. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's true. Yeah, cuz was like I mean, we played Airsoft for a lot of time. Um, you know, which again is a Japanese uh, creation. So, um, you know,
2: yeah. do,
1: you
0: know the Gun or taco, do love do love their um, realistic uh, military detail. Don't yes, yeah. Cool. Um, got much else to say about the little ground force before we move
1: on? No, it's an interesting little tidbit, and yeah. uh, I think it's just a nice little it's a nice little uh, aperitif yes. to
2: a main course. Yes. I highly recommend yeah, so it if you're watching through the trilogy. You know, throw that one on between two and three.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice little uh, respite. So yeah. it's a stop in the road with kind of bad coffee, but it, it it's vibing. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Gerald, we, uh, we always uh, give a rating. I know you, you don't do that one in you know world order, but um, if you had to give it a rating, what would you give it?
2: Probably an eight out of ten. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I, I'd give it a six. I, was, uh, I think it's good. I think it's quite entertaining. But I think that that of rewatch or whatever. So is it
1: down a little bit. Uh, I can't give it a rating. Uh, I'm sorry. I think it, just because of what it is. <laughs> I, I, I really, I really feel like I, it's it's one of those unrateable things. That's it's it's purely watchable in context to something else. Yes. Yeah. It's
0: it yeah. uh, absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah
1: but I won't watch it just by throw yourself. I won't just throw you under the bus and make you do a rating when you don't normally do them. So I'll give it a seven point five.
2: Yeah. And you can find this pretty easily. Uh, there's a channel on YouTube that their big thing is capturing v- old video cassettes, and they captured that. So. Oh really? Yep. Yeah, they whole cha- they're not oh, an anime yeah. channel. They actually just just capture old weird video cassettes, and that was one of them. And uh well, there you go. The ten little gore force
1: brought yep. to you by VHS Capturers. Yep. You'll we'll
0: have to look out for that. We'll move on to our next view, which is Scramble Wars. So this is another one-episode OVA, released in 1992. It was directed by Hiroyuki Fukushima, another predominantly storyboard artist with an episode of Bubble Crash, the 1994 Gatchaman OVA, and a handful of other director credits to his name. Kenichi Tsunoda was again credited with the character designs, and the animation and production was again done by NRC uh, as I said before, this was released as the secret Deformed government feature, the, the 10 Little Gold Force, uh, but then it had a DVD release. So, this is basically a GB cast of Gold Force, Bubblegirl Crisis, and Genesis Survivor Gaia uh, competing in uh, a no hole spot race to the finish for the Gen Cup. So, uh, who wants to uh, start with Square Wars?
2: Well, what, what's what's very interesting with Scramble Wars is that it's it shows how big Wacky Races was in Japan. Absolutely. And, like, we don't like realize like we if you know I'm if in fact I think Wacky Races like unless you're in your 30s and above, you may not even be aware of Wacky Races, which was this Hanna Barbera show that would yeah. just have various Hanna Barbera characters in races, and you know Dick Dastardly would always lose. And yeah. but and this was just you know a show in America, but it was huge in Japan, like a, a humongous yeah. um, thing. In fact, um, there was the uh, I've got this on my shelf, Cyber Formula GPX, which was this uh, racing series that was yes, released yes. in the nineties. The the advertisement yeah. for it was like wacky races but serious. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Cyber uh, so Formula GPX for uh, quite
0: some time. It's uh, it's definitely like that because even SD Gundam did its own. Racky Races spin off as well didn't it in, right. in, the, in the early 90s as well I think so uh, yeah it
1: was um, very very popular it is a fantastic formula though um, I think my I think I guess I say quote my generation is probably on the very cusp of it not being knowable yeah cause... Cause I, I grew up watching it as well and I think maybe maybe a year or two after after watching it it would have gone out of uh, out of cycle Yeah, I think you were just at the end of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, one of one of the most enjoyable things, though, I really enjoyed Scramble Wars. I have to say. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I thought it was really entertaining. Really
0: entertaining.
2: Yeah, I love Scramble Wars too, and it's weird to see because there are these shows in it that are much bigger in America, but like Writing Bean is in Scramble Wars for exactly one second. Yes. No it's lines. Like the end of the grid, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No lines. I don't even think they appear at any other point. They're just, you know, the lineup yeah. of cars. And, yeah. I th- you know, if it's like, what, where's Riding Bean? Like, why wouldn't they be there? Don't you want to see the Roadbuster? But, uh, <laughs> they. Yeah, I did
0: spot that. It was, uh, yeah. I just I remember watching it, and it just did past, and I had to pause it and, and go back. And it was like, is that what? Is that Riding Bean at the very end? And it was, yeah.
2: Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a blatant like uh, crib on on Wacky Races, one hundred percent. Just you know, with a lot of the the tropes of the Artmic material. And again, I feel like this works very, very much better if you have that context, because otherwise they're just random characters. Yeah, yeah, you definitely think... have to have seen
0: the three shows that it's based on to get the jokes that are in this
1: OPA. Mm, yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, context is king, but the I do feel like I'd wanna watch some I'd wanna watch more of this. If licensing and you know copyright law wasn't too much of a problem and, and people were more open to it, I'd love to watch this all the time. <laughs>
2: like, I, I would have loved what? to
1: have seen like a little mini series
2: of this at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I like
1: Bring in new characters and guest guest licensed characters all the time like I think it would be great. Like
2: Yeah, I mean I love the idea that the Galforce team are in there and they're using uh you know Starleaf Yes. Starleaf is this intergalactic like super powered spaceship in this little race. And of course this thing is either designed to go like 800 million miles an hour or like 10 miles an hour and yeah. nothing in between. And so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, love, I love the bit where
0: they um, come the uh, original cast come face to face with their uh, brave sort of earth chapter cast. Yes.
2: Yeah, I no, I really like that as a good nod.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it was a fantastic love
2: that was yeah. Right. Again, like you, you, as long as you have that context, that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, I love that it. it was interesting. They had you know Priss in there, and uh, mm. of course the voice actress of Priss was the one that they replaced for uh, Bubblegum Crash because you know that singer was no longer available. Um, yeah. So had had her a little bit throatier voice acting, but I didn't mind the the recast of uh, of Priss.
0: No, I didn't. I think She doesn't really talk a great deal in it, does she? So I think it's it's only 25 minutes, isn't it? So there's so few lines because it's sort of spread between the three series that, yeah, it's not
2: it's not really having a big impact on it, is it? No. And it's also very self-aware. Like, they make the joke of uh, that, you know, Silky, what's it, S- Silky, uh, the lingerie store is doing really badly because the bubble has no, burst. Looking. Yeah, <laughs> and of course the the Japanese econ- economic bubble burst in 1989, and so yeah. they're they're still they're still getting over it. So
0: yeah, that, <laughs> that I thought was a really really good again in joke to the Japanese economy. That I I did pick that up, and she's desperate to win it so she can um, pay the bills and get the store back back open or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. And, and the other thing as well, um, this is where you're your um, your avatar comes from as well from Commander Dawn, isn't
2: it? <laughs> that is exactly where it came from. Yeah, my yeah. They they have an interview with Commander Dawn. Well, actually, that no, that came from Ten Little Galforce during the interview. Um, oh, is that one from there? Okay. Yes, yes, but I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, my, the ridiculous SD version of Commander Dawn with and he, that he does this painful, like terrible pun in that scene that just knocks everyone over because it's so awful. And also doesn't Mm. translate, because puns don't translate, so... Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) But I like how they've tried to expand Commander Dawn, because he is uh, in Scramble Wars, trying to sabotage the Starleaf, and... Yeah, Yeah, like this monolithic bad guy that's given a lot more personality. Yes. I don't even think he was given a name in the original OAV internal yeah, story. Yeah, so I, I
0: don't remember because when I, I went back and watched it, I don't ever remember it being referred to as Commander Dorn. It was only in only in these OVAs that he uh, suddenly got a name.
2: And it, it's been it's been being between Dorn and Gorn, and yeah, I Gorn. Know... That's what I remember because it was an acronym, wasn't it? It might have been. I, I should know mm-hmm. this, and but yeah, I I don't remember what it stood for. No, it was an acronym.
0: You're right, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure but I could not
1: tell you what it uh, what it stood for. it's gonna annoy me now. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, well,
2: well we can check the Galforce Wiki, which is hilarious because the, the person who wrote it is incredibly horny. Like oh. like Rabbi like Rabbi's introduction on the Galforce Wiki is Rabbi is the big ass main protagonist of the first movie. She's also really, really hot. Oh and my god! Oh, yes, that, is very, <laughs> that is very, very cool. horny. Uh, yeah, you can stars, tell, these yeah, are... Jesus. <laughs> like in, in you gotta respect the hustle. I, I love it, and uh, in, like in her, like statistics. There's like husbando hiroyuki I don't know what who hiroyuki is, and yeah, key features: strawberry blondish hair, cute as fuck, huge butt. So, <laughs> I love oh, this. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Jesus. So, uh, for a good laugh, should definitely check out the Galforce wiki. Oh, yeah,
0: I'll definitely have to uh, look into that, definitely. I quite like the way Commander Dawn literally comes, sorry, I would say comes unstuck, but he literally gets stuck by the use of um, rummy and grease palm.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is a... Uh, Lots and lots of great gags in in scramble wars. It's it's a shame that we only got one like jokey episode of this. And this was towards um, like a couple of years before Artmic was disbanded. Um, yeah. So they were you know doing what they can to to keep things going.
3: Yeah, and also it's a shame because
0: you know, I've made a note here that uh, you know unlike the original uh, Gower Force, which I didn't think had a lot of rewatch value. This, for me, has a lot of rewatch value. I watched this once and then watched it again a week later and I enjoyed it just as much the second time. And again, picked up a few other little bits and pieces that I hadn't spotted first time around because it's full of little in details um, and references. Mm. But even off, off the back of this, because I haven't seen Gaia, which, you know, doesn't feature very much
2: no. uh,
0: in this OVA. I, I went back, cause I haven't seen that since about 2004, and uh, it's still great. <laughs> <laughs> so he was kind of understand why he didn't get featured very much
2: no and like the gags come so fast and so many of them yes. are these like uh, uh, like there's like this one gag where they you know have this like s- schematic of the ship and just there's just weird ridiculous in jokes all over the place and so yeah. I, I highly recommend watching this on YouTube with, you know, the pause button available because there's yeah, a lot to, to look yeah, at. There's a lot to deconstruct. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's definitely worthwhile. Well. I love the way it kind of escalates with the space weapons as well, with the boomer mm-hmm. getting the satellite weapon, and then Robbie getting the uh, the uh, planet destroyer. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean that's again it's just great sort of comedy escalation you where know, trying is... to kind of constantly outdo each other.
1: Hmm. That's the thing. I like even even stepping away. Scramble Wars could easily be its own thing. Like I, I feel it's such an encompassing uh, and renewable idea because Wacky Races was, you know, mm. it, it was so bingeable and so enjoyable in each iteration because it's just it, it's just a, a watchable formula. Right. And those but- like the one thing that Scramble Wars has over that is the ability to use the self awareness and. IPs that it's incorporating to it, full effect you know there's no there's no one's going to question it if it goes into hyperdrive and then destroys a the planet it's it's yeah that, that's yeah. that's its universe there's You're, no rules here no
2: no they can do whatever they want and they definitely do and uh mm. yeah it's it's great and it's uh all all the better for it the AIC had such
0: a rich catalog to tap into you know Mega Zone Two Three, Detonator Organ, Dangio, TRI, all that stuff. Mm. There was just loads and loads that they had made that they could have tapped into that could have really, really kept it going and and brought different different bits to it. Right. Mm. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a shame that, that it, can it there was a bore of it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't know if AIC is still around. I know Artmic obviously isn't, but I think. Yeah, I see, because they, they have been doing work for, like, Lyrical Nanoha and stuff, so I think that they still exist.
0: Yeah, I, I thought they still exist in some
1: shape or form.
2: Yeah, I think that they're mostly just an outsource house now, um, not doing a lot of their own stuff. Just, yeah, doing a
1: lot of contract work.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mm. could be wrong, and uh, if I am, let me know. They do, like, the website is still active, so... Yeah, so they're still in business. They're just, like, maybe one of those specialists. Yeah, one of the other
0: things I've got in my notes here... Um... Which, because I do like my sports bikes and nineties um, anime, do an eighties nineties anime. I do like to um, feature their uh, fantastic detail on uh, sports bikes. Is um, when towards the beginning, when they're getting in the uh, starting lineup, Chris she has this sort of picture in her mind of this bike that she's going to win or going to buy when she wins. And um, the tail a lot of the styling is based on a Honda Superbike at the time called the NR Seven Fifty. And it was, at the time it was a very, very, very expensive motorcycle. So, <laughs> 1991 it cost £40,000. Yeah, Good lord. 30 years ago. Um, it was a really, really exotic machine. It had, um, basically it had oval pistons. Um, it was based on a Honda Grand Prix bike that they produced um, in 1980 to try and overcome the two, the, uh, two strokes from Suzuki and Yamaha. Because honda were determined to win with the four-stroke they they produced this really exotic bike and then they produced a road bike of it you know? so there's only a few hundred built but as soon as i saw it so i had a poster of it on my wall and was in my late teens and um yeah as soon as i saw it i thought ah, oh, they used the nr 750 because it had a very distinctive tail cowling on it so uh, there was yeah there's little again if you're into that type of thing there's there's sort of cool little details like that. Something for well. everyone.
2: Actually, yeah. that's really neat yeah. to know, because, um, and that would make sense, because uh, one of the mechanical designers on that was Shinji Aramaki. And yes. And the only thing he does well is mech design. And he uh, <laughs> mm. don't ever watch anything he directs. And oh, uh, his, I He's not good. His big thing is um, doing, like, the bikes that transform. And so... Mm. Yeah, since mm. he did a lot of the mech design in Bubblegum Crisis and such. Did I ever say, I might have mentioned this on the podcast, where I, I got to meet him at um, Anime Weekend Atlanta. Um, oh, really? Yes, he was a guest there. He was promoting one of his shitty, like, CG things. Um, apple Seeds something or the other. Oh, yeah. Great
0: thing.
2: Yeah, Ex Machina or something. And I had a cell, like a cell from Bubblegum Crisis... Of the uh, the hard suit that he designed. Oh wow! Okay. And <laughs> my favorite moment of of a convention, and I was in line to get it signed, and uh, he never spoke any English throughout the entire time he was there. I always had a translator, and I went up in line and I pulled the cell out, and then he looks at me and looks at the cell, and then says in English to me, "Where did you get this?" Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 'Cause I guess it might have been something I acquired through a cell stealer, like yeah. unintentionally. And uh oh, I've wow. got it here and he drew a, a beautiful little like a hard suit on it. No, not on the cell, but on a piece of uh paper attached to the cell. And so mm. that that was my Shinji Aramaki moment. Oh,
1: that's <laughs> <great>. <laughs> Just all like just like going about his paces and then being completely blindsided by like <laughs> hang on <laughs> Yes. Like
2: what wh- oh, <laughs> did you get this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. I like oh, that. I like... That's
0: it. Oh, that is a really, really good story. But
2: yeah, Shinji Aramaki... Oh, I love the look of his face. I, I, the, he looked very, he, like, I, I think he probably was aware that it was probably a stolen cell, and I didn't know it was. But, uh, mm. like, if you ever watched uh, that. a, a Takano video, <laughs> yeah. they have the cell stealers in that. Yeah. And mm. so, but yeah, Shinji Aramaki, anything he designs, fantastic. Anything he directs, yeah. stay the hell away.
0: Absolutely, I wholeheartedly uh, compare with
2: that. Yeah, but yeah, but anyway, Scramble yeah. Wars. Also, you can watch that the same way. Say that same guy, oh, right, rip the okay. rip the video cassette, put it up on YouTube, so you can uh, watch that whole thing. It's highly worth it. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: so too. I think it's very, very much like something with a lot of lost potential, but uh, an incredibly enjoyable watch.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, with my notes, I've given it seven out of ten, and I feel a little bit harsher now. I think it's at least an eight. Movie. Because I, I really enjoyed it, and I, you know, I would happily go and watch it again. You know, I think it's got loads of rewatch
3: value. So,
2: um... Well, it is something that your entire enjoyment, I feel, or at least I would say, no, eighty percent of your enjoyment comes from whether or not you understand the context of these characters.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> even even without, even without, and um, with its quirkiness and its adaptability, and, the, and how often the art style changes to represent its you know the, the the source material that it's incorporating is is enjoyable enough because mm-hmm. they all have their little slice of of background and it's all a bit you know it, it's not it doesn't even feel all over the place it just feel like it feels like organized chaos and it, it does is sort of, yeah yeah i completely like, agree I, with that yeah, yeah. I, I, you know sitting in the seat and watching it back is is one of those things that i, I would give it a nine out of ten and
0: to be honest with you, so you've probably you've never seen you've definitely never seen Guy off and you've You've probably never
1: no, seen Bubblegum Crisis? I have seen Bubblegum Crisis. You have? have you? Okay. Yeah. there's actually yeah. Guyarth,
0: but it's actually funny. I think this is funnier and better than the actual Guyarth OVA, because the bit with Zaxon buried in the ground, I think it's quite funny. Um, it's actually much yeah. better than the, whatever, 180 minutes of the Guyarth OVA is.
2: Yeah, that was one where all you got was that OVA and nothing else. And, uh, yeah, I've never seen the Guyarth OVA either. I need to do that and uh, finish up my Artmic uh, gap.
0: Oh right, you, uh, you've never seen it either. Okay, yeah, it's. I have to say, I haven't seen it for about fifteen years, and the first episode was actually a bit better than I than I remember. I just remember it all being really bad. But the first episode, I didn't <laughs> actually think was that bad. But the second and third episodes, and especially the third episode, it's, it's terrible.
3: <laughs> that- yeah,
0: I, I, I can recommend going to see that. Okay, that's um, that's three 45 minute episodes that you've never. Of your life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have watched all of uh, GenoCyber, so.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: well, yeah. And Recreators yeah, and other. Yeah, ap- Apartment. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, yeah. Yeah. yes. We've also wasted our lives on that front, so. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'll watch that twice for uh, journalistic purposes, yeah.
1: That's
0: definitely four hours of my life I'm never going to get back. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, scores
1: from you guys? Yeah, uh, the,
2: the nine out of ten for oh, me. nine, yeah. I would say an eight, just because I feel like context adds so much more to
0: mm-hmm.
3: it. Oh yeah, I completely agree. I think yeah, context does add does add a lot to this. <laughs>
0: Okay, so on to our final review, Ground Force, The Revolution. So this was a four-episode OVA released between December 1996 and March 1997. The first two episodes were directed by Hiroyuki Fukushima. Episode 3 was by Akihiko Ishiyama. And Episode 4 was directed by Shinya Hana and, again, produced by Artwick. Uh, this time, the character designs were done by Kyoko Tsuchiya, rather than Kenichi Sonoda. And this has never had a release in the West, although a fan sub is available. So a brief synopsis. The East Side Solnoids and West Side Solnoids are entrenched in an endless war. When a group of East Side Soldiers desert along with a West Side Soldier, they meet up with an anti-war group called Conch. These soldiers have covered this true secret behind the war, and they must stop a terrible weapon from being used. So this I find quite interesting because it's effectively a remake of eternal story. The story is slightly different, but essentially it's got yeah. not the same beats, and a few bits from, from the second arc as well. But this came less than four years after New Era finished, and Gerald, what you were talking about, the, the, the steam had kind of run out of New Era, and it didn't get that last episode. You know, Maybe the, the, the sort of fan interest in it was waning. I find it very interesting that that, and, and again, that context as well I find it very interesting that they needed to then kind of reboot this, this franchise. What was it appealing to? Was it trying to appeal to old fans, or was it trying to get new fans interested in the franchise? Because this was so... the last anime made, so, you know, yeah. the franchise.
2: Yeah, this was the very end. Uh, this was the end to a couple of things, because um, this was, you know, Galforce trying, you know, its, its last sort of push to get some relevance, and this was also the, I believe, either... One of, if not the last thing that Artmic put out before they went under, like Artmic was putting a lot into this being a big hit. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But it's uh, it's interesting because it feels like it's really trying to cover. Um, you were mentioning Eternal Story. It feels almost like to me that it's trying to cover like the entire like Star yeah, Wars was... arc um, yeah. in the time like in less, you know, in the time that it would take to watch Eternal Story. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree because you know the the pacifist
0: group and the tree that appears in it, they're elements that are taken from the second story arc. Yeah, so yeah,
1: I was I was very confused,
2: and and then the very end of it with you know the destruction of the of the uh, you know the star destroyer and such, you know, it's, mm. you know, leaning more towards the third the third episode. Um, yes, and so there's a lot it's pulling from. The character designer also—it's weird because I believe that character designer is primarily primarily worked with um, uh, Vice Kreis and uh, this this uh, tactics video game series called Black Matrix. And I'm not familiar with that. I don't believe that was ever brought over here. Um, oh, Vice, okay. yeah, Vice was. I don't think I don't think people think of Vice and remember the great female character designs in it. That was quite a series. Then she has a thing for sort of these faces that are framed by their hair. um, Yes. Which I found a little bit off-putting. It it was always sort of distracting to me. Um, Yeah, because I've got that.
0: I've I've noted that in my notes saying that the hairstyles include parts that curl over their cheeks. I think it was quite a 90s character design trope. That's not something that's exclusive to this. Um, No but it's very odd looking and i'd say it's quite distracting.
2: Yeah. And uh, yeah, they were trying like this was written by the original creator of Galforce. So oh, okay. There's this, this did have that hmm. element in it. I watched this uh, must be early 2000s like i have still have the VHS fan subs of it. Really didn't like it then, rewatched it for this. Didn't hate it as much as i did back then. But the changes that they were making and what they were trying to go for are a little bit strange. Um, mm, like, I agree. Yeah. yeah, no, this time there's no paranoids at all. It's just no. Solenoids east, Solenoids west. Um, yeah, the... so that, I think
0: is quite interesting because they tried to they tried to put a different spin on what is an endless, pointless war. Yeah, you know, and it's just you know they're trying to uh, this time rather than two opposing races just fighting to oblivion. Um, it's now, uh, you know, one race in this hundreds of years of manufactured war just to keep a, a level of stability in the race. You know, that's kind of what it's boiled down to. So, I might then try to do something different, but I think it it feels really oversimplified compared to the original
3: story.
2: Well, they're moving at like a breakneck pace in, in this. Pace, yeah. Like the... Yeah. I mean the original Galforce movie one of the when I showed it to some friends of mine like they mentioned like how that movie was 13 episodes of content in an 80 minute movie that it sort of also moved at this breakneck pace but this is this feels even faster cuz it's trying to cover so much more ground Yeah uh, mm-hmm. and it's hard to talk about because there's so little time for anybody to sort of uh have there's any any breathing room in the story um mm-hmm. like you you see conk they're suddenly there suddenly you know they're in the course of one episode you you see conk you see what they're there for and you see them you know almost you know starting to get attacked yeah yeah i think i think the stakes because of that pacing issue and because
1: of the condensed storyline this and because of the changes the stakes feel a lot lower yeah i, I don't I don't feel the weight of the situation. No, I agree.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it it doesn't help that we're only told about these, you know, huge destructive, you know, weapons that they've developed. Mm. Um yeah. While in Galforce you actually see them destroy things and Yes, yeah. This you just you're told like now instead of like having this uh, star destroyer, they now have this antimatter gun that can destroy a whole galaxy. And that's a little yeah. bit too much. I think.
0: Yeah. I think. And again, you never see it used probably because you only see it used to, to um, defeat Pfizer.
2: Yeah. Um, and, and it's
0: not really used in its context or manner that it's supposed to.
2: No. And yeah. yeah, like, I mean, we'll we'll get to that too. Like the the show just sort of ends at just very abruptly and almost, almost yeah, to the point where yeah. I almost wonder, like, was there meant to be another episode? Yeah, um,
0: I, I agree. Yeah, uh, To but,
2: me,
1: because I was like, I, I'd recently... Uh, seen all of them as as as, last, as recent as the last year. It, it was it was a case of like when I was rewatching it, I felt like, have I seen this already? And then once I realized it was condensing parts that I'd already seen, I feel like this piece is. It feels like it's it's trying to. It's an acquisition piece, like it's an onboarding piece to, for people who might not have seen Goal Force before because it's, it it certainly doesn't feel like it's built for people who've already seen the series.
2: No, I th- think I think it was them attempting to try to get the new audience because I I think if you're an old Galforce fan, I don't really know what the appeal of this would be. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're an, a new fan to this, also like what what are you watching this for? Um, mm. Yeah, because
0: I mean, this was 10 years after Eternal Story came out. So there's a, a bit of a generation that would have moved on. You know, people who were maybe in their teens when they watched Eternal Story and watched the original we were now in their mid-20s and, you know, in a different, very, very different phase of their life. So I can imagine it trying to recapture some of the, the glory from its early days.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I
0: don't think it was very
2: successful. I mean, I don't, and I I don't hate it. Um, I think, like, for if I you know if I go you know with my friend Paul Chapman's approach of there's always something good you can say about something. Um yeah. Like I think it has a great opening theme and a great ending theme, and it's <laughs> it's got this immensely like lavish soundtrack that's it does. Like, it does. Yes. yes, like incredibly I was lavish.
1: Say, yeah, I did I did really enjoy the 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 sound design and the the, the score of, yeah. the, of the piece. Like they they, um, they
2: put the money into this.
1: It's just Yeah, they really did. It's just a shame it felt goalless, you know? It's it it's not quite it's not quite for the original fan and it's not really an onboarding piece. It kind of falls in this horrible
2: The middle um, ground, right. Yeah, this horrible yeah.
1: purgatory of of like well they've made it and they've taken a step back and gone Ah Christ. <laughs> like, yeah like, it doesn't achieve either
2: right and what
1: it achieves in doing is is bringing you something with a an unrecognizable art style to the original in a condensed story that feels rushed and off-paced yeah Yeah.
2: and i don't think that there's any one single thing that i can say like this is what causes this to fall apart like i think it's just a, a sort of a collection of things that kind of doesn't work together because, uh, for example, like they they do expand some of the uh, sort of the Galforce ideas of like the, there wasn't we got some idea of the scale of things in the original trilogy, but then they go into more detail saying like oh there's a hundred million of these solenoids produced every day and they yeah, have these yeah. battles where billions of people are killed and yeah. like the, these are just scales that are just like enormous that are. Yeah but of course if you're that humongous a scale then why is it that if one person is killed suddenly all of this is over
0: yeah yeah
2: oh and uh, also i thought it, i mean i again i thought it was i don't know if it was a positive or a negative but they like they emphasized more that uh like one of the things that they never really talked about they they mentioned it on i believe part 2 of galforce was like how how the solenoids are produced and they're produced in, like, you know, just these vats, and Mm -hmm. you can tell that they all kind of come from a similar seed, because uh, there's, you know, Catty, like, is the Nebulart, you know, Nebulart is from the same seed as everyone, and they they mention that, you know, as soon as a, I guess the males in this are called retro um, retrogues, as soon as they're produced, they're destroyed right away, and I think that this is, like, interesting backstory. I don't think any of this is what ruins it, it's just collectively... Never gels.
0: Yeah, I and mean, I have to admit, I actually, on the whole, I actually quite enjoyed this. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was terrible at all. I think the first and last episodes, and the last episode, you know, I'll qualify that by saying up until about the last three or four minutes, I thought were actually pretty good episodes. I mm-hmm. actually really enjoyed what they did. The middle episodes, yeah, that's where it goes too fast and kind of trips over itself a little bit. there's bits of the story about the way they manufactured the war to keep going. Once it ended, they needed a kind of, well, we've got nothing left, so we need to kind of manufacture the war to keep going, because we've got this, you know, we've been fighting this war for hundreds of years, and now that it's ended, what do we do? Uh, Oh, we better start a war again. Um, There's bits of that, you know, that I I quite liked. Um, And this whole thing about, you know, they they, they earn these points to get rank promotions.
2: Which then... I would, which is, that was fascinating to me, like, the gamification of war, which yeah. I would, yeah. if I had watched this in 1996, I would have think thought, oh, that's ridiculous, like, you're going too far now, and now that I watch that today, I'm like, I can't believe we're not doing that today.
1: I <laughs> really wanted to touch on that, actually, like, I really, I, I really felt like if they would doubled down on that theme, mm. and carried that forward, it would have, like, it's easy to say now in retrospect, because of where we stand in, you know, 2020, but, like, I, I really would have felt like that theme would be way more stronger and you could identify with it and resonate with it a lot better than just saying that they, all they know is fighting, so we keep fighting. Right. Um, yeah, because it's, it, 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 it's, with the inflated numbers, it just doesn't... It's not a, a wrappable concept for me.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, there's like I said, I think that there's some really interesting things they touch on. The fact that both the East and the West are produced in the same factory... Like, yes,
0: yeah. It's but... just manufactured, isn't it? It's yes. Just...
2: Yeah. Like, it's completely manufactured, but you need th- at least 13 episodes to sort of let that absorb and let the entire populace sort of take and- take that in and not, like, literally two minutes.
0: Yeah.
1: But... Yeah, like, there's a lot of forced features because of its short short nature, and I do agree with you. It is, it is something that really should be benefiting from a 13-episode series because, yeah. well, it tries... In four episodes, it just... Pace for pace forces things in that just don't feel natural. Like them breaking in to the factory, and then all of a sudden she knows exactly where they are, and uh, you know she comes up over the system to offer a pivotal character, a pivotal character moment for something that really hasn't been established that well. It's just, it's just not, it just doesn't feel nice.
0: Yeah, because there's other bits as well. Because it kind of touches on this bit that these people are manufactured, and you know they're so disposable. It's like, well, are they really real? You know, do they live a real life? Because they're just manufactured to just be cannon for them. And then they're manufactured again. You know, probably, let like, say, from the same seeds and whatever. Um, and it kind of touches on this thing. It's like, well, what's the essence of their, then their being, so to speak? It's a great idea that falls really flat because it's so unsuccessfully kind of exploited. Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not... I mean, I guess if the worst thing you can say about it really is that it isn't long enough that's not the worst thing you can say no, about it. no it's, no uh,
1: it's it's definitely it's a praise in a sense
2: yeah and um like there are some like logic weird logical things that happen in it like uh, when they're on conch for example which is this uh this big asteroid that's housing this resistance group and that's housing like the few retrogues a few males that exist as children they're all children um and mm-hmm. they're attacked and you find out oh that conch is you know protected by these machines that will attack if you have a weapon and they all find this out and then later on they're being attacked by i guess it was the west side Yes. and um then uh luffy goes out and starts fighting with them and luffy knows that they're going to attack her if she has a weapon because she's gone through this already but still is running around with a weapon like i I don't understand this she knows this Yeah. yeah it is it's some weird choices yeah, but Very weird
1: choices.
2: yeah, but I I think I'm a bit softer on it now. Like, it feels like it was a good try. Like you mm-hmm. you tr- you tried. It wasn't. It's not awful. I I just wish yeah. that there could have been more of it, and um, it could have been you know spread out a bit more.
0: yeah, yeah think...
1: it could have been great. I think that's what angers me about it.
2: Yeah. Like,
1: yeah, it's it's not so much anger; it's more just disappointing, like pacing because of its shortness. And that, yeah, and what you said is totally correct. It's not it's not a disservice no. that it's that we're complaining about it being too short
0: because it's still got those strong Cold War parallels, right. um, even though the Cold War had ended whatever six years prior um, to this being made. Um one of the things I quite liked about it, it still it still has that sort of allegory to it, is. Um, you know, Cathy was hiding this terrible weapon, the anti gun, because she knew how terrible it was. Um, and, it's a, you know, that's a similar parallel to um, Oppenheimer's reaction when the first nuclear weapon was tested. You know, he was, like, horrified at what he created, you know, this extreme weapon of mass destruction. And he, you know, he became a, sort of an anti-nuclear weapon sort of activist, um, not long after he created the weapon, and they, you know, there's that there's that very small parallel to it, which I thought was quite interesting. And again, it's a great little idea that was just needed a few episodes to really expand upon. In I've fact, just in the backstory when Kay and her team developed that weapon.
2: Right, and in fact, I, I, to to go on that, I think there's even it's even stronger parallel because I mean, as we said, they're called the East and the West this time. Yes, um, yeah. Like it's, I mean, there's no East and West in space, so that's this, you know, manufactured sort of thing. But yeah. Yeah, I, uh... I, I, I just... I wish that there would have been more. Like, it ends... I shouldn't say it ends inconclusively. It ends very conclusively. It just ends very abruptly, I think. Um, yeah,
0: I thought it was a bit late. Like,
2: yeah, like, the, the ending is, you know, they, they manage to destroy Pfizer on her antimatter gun, which... For some reason, she and all of her clones are on this antimatter gun. I don't yeah. know. That must just be for story convenience. Because why yeah. would you do that? Yeah. And yeah, exactly. It's like,
1: well, I've got backups, and they're all here. There, I keep them all here.
2: <laughs> like three, two, one, folks. Three, two, one, backup scheme. So yeah. <laughs> keep your backups off-site. <laughs> your backups yeah. of yourself off-site. And you know, as soon as she explodes, like suddenly the war is over. Like what?
1: that's yeah, uh, yeah 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 so you yeah and it's like it doesn't even like attempt to show even if there was a eulogy at the end that had like these you know still frames about dismantling you know the 200 years of discontent against the east and west and you know it showed you know, yeah peace amendments and things like that like even that i feel would have tied it a little bit nicer and to, to the musical score <laughs> i would have been like Ah, oh, this is nice. Yeah, Eliza. So just like cuts it short and goes, and it all was well. And you're yeah. like, what? No, what? <laughs> the
2: portraits pop the up, thing... and it's like you know, Eliza started a, a coffee shop, and now sings you yeah. know karaoke on Wednesday nights. They, and they, they
1: all saw the first <laughs> sunset, and they were thinking, and they all thought, wow, peace <laughs> on earth. Yeah. Well, it's like... The
0: thing is, is um, that when they actually they ended up on Earth they're still talking about the eastern west side forces in space and it's like, well you've not conclusively wrapped up what actually was the resolution of the war, it's just you've made it to Earth and you've defeated Pfizer but...
2: Well, literally all they did was they, did, they destroyed this huge weapon.
0: And, yes, exactly.
2: And they did supposedly, like, expose that you know, they all come from the same factory but there isn't any time for this to be processed and yeah. so... Yeah, it's it's just, it seems like yeah, like I, w- I would agree that it's and by rights. Yeah. yeah, sorry, carry on. No, I would I would agree with what you said, and that it's feels like this very very good story that's just kind of told a bit limper than it should be.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's and it's like by all rights we don't know, you know, with all this talk of like join the council and things like that, we don't know if the council still exists or if it doesn't, and yeah. if we're to assume that it doesn't because they were all on that ship, what? if if so many of these people and uh, these solenoids uh, are you know replaceable because there's so many born every second what makes them so special in keeping x alive and you know i don't yeah i don't know there's a lot of unanswered questions that i feel like could be explored um why some are more special than others um but yeah it's, it's a shame it didn't really have a chance
2: yeah, yeah, it's yeah. sad, because this is the last Galforce that was ever mm. been made and probably will ever be made. Um, yeah, it, like yeah. It's, it it's, yeah, it's a shame, because uh, I feel like Galforce is one of those things that's perfectly ripe for a reboot now. I mean, we're now on 20 years since... 25 yes. years since yeah, the yeah, last Galforce. Yeah. Yeah. About that much, and I, I would be interested in seeing what they could do with a reboot. Um, yeah, doesn't take away the fact that i still have my other stuff so
1: well you heard it here first folks 2021 wacky girl force races
2: wacky i would i would Uh, be right there yeah (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, i mean to wrap the the, review up there's a lot i quite like about it like i said i like the first and last episodes quite a lot i did enjoy it you know personally i quite like the character designs and a lot of the artwork there's some great shots in this in episode four where the conch is moving past the moon. Um, there's a great sense of scale and when the antimatter guns in front of the earth. This really great, really well framed shots. You know, I, I would recommend this to people. I, you know I, I got a lot of enjoyment out of watching this. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't think it's really a patch in the star that start from the, the late eighties, but I still enjoyed it. I still give this a seven out of ten. It's that kind of level. It's a bit. It's not great, but it's above
2: average. Yeah, I can't hate it. It feels like um, it feels like a, a good try, and so I'm yeah. actually kind of there with you in that it's a show that has got some really great moments and really great elements. Like I, like I said, I love the soundtrack. Don't know if I like the character designs, but some of the animation's really good. Some of the design is really good. So I would be right there with you. I'd give it a seven.
1: Uh, I think it's got all the ingredients to be something great, but somewhere along the line it kind of lost its its purpose. It kind of the horizon was never met, uh, yeah. And it's just an unfortunate end creation. Uh, I do think all of the all of the stuff you can't really disagree with, like the animation uh, quality, the fights in space are interesting. They're fun to look at sound design's great, the characters, voice acting is great. It All the ingredients are there, but it does not hit the mark, and I give it a 6 out of 10.
0: Yeah. yeah fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one final thing I want to talk about this um, is, I'm just curious to why CPM never licensed it. In 1996,
2: yeah, I wonder. Probably because there's no, like, the stuff that they were into was, like, very violent and sexual work of some of some sort, and this doesn't really yeah, have either. The... Very reserved. I mean, it's it is the first Gal Force where you see like a potential relationship between the girls, but it's mm-hmm. you know a very meant to be a very like awkward relationship because it's you know Pfizer, the l- leader of the West, you know, going after one of her subordinates. Yes, so...
0: yeah, it was like, yeah,
2: right. But yeah, nothing ever goes beyond that, so it's not hyper-violent or super-sexual. Yeah, now, as you said, this is one of the last things made by
0: Artic, and I wonder if them going bust created some barrier to.
2: It might have been a yeah, it might have been a rights issue, or maybe they were just asking for like crazy amounts of money. Yeah. But yeah, this never got licensed. It, it would be nice if, uh, I mean, my dream is that the uh, discotech will, you know, look at this and pick pick uh, Galforce up and give me like a you know a set of. All of Galforce?
0: Yeah, um, definitely. And yeah. on Blu-ray as well, because I think like, that original art would just look beautiful on Blu-ray.
2: Yeah, it would look very nice, because uh, I do have my old DVDs of it, but those, uh, all of those are quite old now.
0: Mm. That's what surprised me, is the fact that CPM still released this on DVD. Yes, um, twice. Um well, yes, they released it twice, didn't they? You're they... right.
2: They, they did that our first original DVD disc back in yeah. the 90s, and then they did a re release of that box set.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that now. Yeah. yeah, so they gave it, so it was you know popular enough or whatever to get two DVD releases, but they still never picked up um, The Revolution, which, yeah, I don't know. There, there must have been some reason behind it, but I always thought it was a bit, you know, it's just odd that it's um, sort of looking back on it, it's. Just feel like something was missing
2: from that. Yeah, it's a shame. I would have liked to, would have liked to have seen more. Yeah. And um. maybe, maybe somewhere, I don't know what the right situation with Galforce is. Because I, I, I hope it's not in the same situation that uh, Writing Bean is was in, because that was in Wright's hell for a long time. And, oh really? Yeah. And so it was one of the reasons why like some of the designs couldn't be used and such and i think that all got worked out so i'm hoping that maybe those get worked out and, you know maybe someone will look at it and say yeah oh, let's do a 13 episode show and see where it goes
0: fingers crossed
2: yes indeed
0: so we had a few questions so we'll um, dive into those quickly um, so Professor Irony at Professor Duck underscore Irony on Twitter he asks given that anime Gary's super deformed double feature release was probably the first exposure many folk had to go force in the UK I don't think any of the other films were available at the time what I always wonder is how much you feel people we haven't experienced the rest of the franchise Did get from those two OBAs.
2: Which two was he talking about? It was Eternal Story and... Uh, no, Super
0: Deformed Double Feature, so Ten Little Galforce and Scramble Wars, because we got them a long time ago, but we didn't get any other Force for a long, long time.
2: Really? Good lord. In the UK,
0: yeah. That... The only release we've got is um, Earth Chapter, it's called New Gal Force confusingly, released by Manga uh, UK.
2: Yeah, I've seen but the covers that, of that, yeah.
0: We didn't get anything else, but we, uh, well, we got that a long time after. Get the ten little girl force scramble came out.
2: That's so strange because I feel like so those off. things need that context, otherwise. Yeah, yeah.
1: They're, 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 what are they without that? Really? I
2: mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I I can't explain. It. Like that that's unfortunate, and I wonder how that happened. Um,
1: I suppose they all, would have all the fulfilment of uh, episode of Pop Team Epic.
2: yeah Yeah. um right yeah I think I think very
0: little I think it's they rely so much on um both of them do really refer to the original content quite heavily so
2: yeah I mean it's kind of like watching it's like watching Spaceballs without ever knowing what Star Wars is yeah exactly
1: it's it's, yeah it's perfect analogy really
0: yeah so very little I think I think um You don't really get the scale, you know, in the um, Stardust part. You know, the scale and the whole Cold War allegory and, you know, that kind of darkness and tone and somberness that we talked about, you get none of that really from those two. So it completely kind of misses the the, the point on that.
1: No, you'd probably get more out of Scramble Wars, but, you know, even, even then. Okay, so next
0: question, Zach. At Zodno, uh, he asks,
2: "Out of the original OVA crew, who is best girl?" Um, See, the the obvious answer to me here is Luffy, but yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Okay, good. Well, I, I will, I'm going to go with uh, Rabi. I like Rabi a lot. Yeah,
0: I thought Rabi. I, I would, she would be my best girl. I think.
2: Yeah, no, Luffy's Luffy's the one I like the most. I think. Luffy is great. Yeah, and I mean, she definitely yeah. had like the most time. There, so she
1: does. She has the yeah. most time. I, she, I think, she's what I really enjoy on screen the most. Really, and I mean, p- people uh, well, loved love- her
2: because I mean, he uh, Kenichi Sonoda used reused that character design in for Riffraff from um, from Gunsmith Cats. Yes, uh, yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, I like the rivalry between Rabi and um, Lucky as well. Yeah, that's
1: good. Well portrayed. Yeah, sort of like underdog and. Natural talent, sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Um, Fun Gun. Fun Gun asks, which character was most like their non SD counterpart?
2: It was most like their non SD counterpart. So
0: I guess from um, either the, the two SD OBA's,
2: Elusa, was... because uh, <laughs> prim and proper in, in both, or <laughs> you know the, the older, wiser in both, and I think all the rest Ridley's complete opposites. Like, I love, that, yes. uh, I love that Pony is this very timid, like, scaredy-cat, kind of, computer operator in the show, and her mm. quote-unquote real counterpart is this, you know, cool girl. Yeah,
0: definitely. We never, I mentioned that, that.
2: we never mentioned that Pony goes from black in the original series and Earth Chapter to being white in Revolution for no reason.
0: Yes. Oh, um, in, yeah. She's no, very blood, like. wouldn't she?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know why, but uh, and why and can... in this is
1: also way more sensible. She's less like a, I
2: guess, childlike. I guess. And it? and from what I can tell, not an android. But.
1: Uh... Uh, no! I think she was she. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Oh. Okay. She was. She, uh, it's just. It's just very loosely and quickly discovered by uh, Elsa. Who. Uh... Yes,
0: she was an android in the revolution. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like,
1: yeah. like Lewis says, it's a kind of blink and you miss it. Ah, uh, yeah, it's when she's uh, does the same iconic for some oh, reason. Oh, right, right, scene. of course. That's uh, the, the yeah. throwback when scene. When she of rips course. out of the hole to
0: um, get rid of the nuclear bomb that's been left behind.
2: Yep, the, yeah. the, the throwback and scene, she of course. And she connects the beams. Can't have well. a Galforce moment without that. So yes, yeah, so I was going
0: to say, why why is that scene so iconic?
2: Um, I, well, it, I mean, I guess it was like a huge moment for the original movie. Um and a, mm. and I mean it was yeah. it was unusual at that time to take like these very cute character designs and kill them and yeah it's like yeah okay.
1: okay humanized self sacrifice cuz like the yeah
0: Yeah cuz I see in internal story I think that scene just fits in just fits seamlessly into the whole context of the film Yeah It's not a standout moment because of just you know the whole tone of the you know the whole 80 minutes it's not something that's particularly out of place
2: but in everything else they make a big deal out of that that scene <laughs> yes it became i think it just became a running joke after that
0: yeah maybe it just yeah. Became, yeah absolutely Yeah, yeah the one
1: thing is a... just one those, you take a meme and run with it and you can never really get the yeah the full scope of it it's just some someone somewhere decided to adopt it and it kept on going like yeah, it pro- yeah. it's
2: probably something that again makes me sad that i wasn't around at that time because there's probably like a bunch of dodges that were made as that use that as yeah, a joke yeah, yeah. And, you know, artmic might have, mm-hmm. you know, latched onto that and kept going. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. There's, there's,
0: there's got to be more to it. There's got to be a bit more meat on those bones for, for that
2: yeah.
3: mm.
0: okay, we had Okay, um, we did have a question about, um, from uh, Sony Bone, at Sony Bone so, let's See, we've kind of already asked, answered this question, but he asked, with thirty pair Venus Wars, Megadone, following up prices, gunsmith caps, getting excellent HD transfers and remasters, how long before Galforce gets that treatment? And as we said, hopefully soon. Hopefully, Discotech is is working on that. As we
2: see, no, yeah. The the general rule is well. The sad thing is is that generally how it works is Japan has to release it first, and then we can yes. get it about a year after that. I'm I've been waiting for because they released Crusher Joe on DVD, and I love Crusher Joe to death, and they released a beautiful Blu-ray of it in Japan, but We can't touch that Blu-ray for at least a year or more. And so I'm waiting for that Blu-ray. But there's been no releases of Galforce. No. It's been nothing, nothing, nothing. And so I just don't know if the materials aren't there or if it's just been completely forgotten. So.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just something that's a bit forgotten. Because I'm still waiting for um, a Blu-ray release of uh, Darnator Organ. Yeah. Because that's my favorite anime of all time, that is. And I desperately, desperately... Masami Ibari is constantly sort of pinned in on Twitter. When, when will I get to work on a Blu-ray or Detonator an orbit? And I'm like, yes,
2: yes, I want that Blu-ray. I want that Blu-ray. That would be great. I'd, I'd be right there for that. I'm, I'm hoping because um,
0: Dangayo and Zero Rider have got Blu-ray releases in Japan. So
2: oh, Dangayo does?
0: Yeah, yeah. But only the first two episodes because the masters of episode three have been lost. So, Episode 3 on the Japanese Blu-ray has full 1080p transfers of Episodes 1 and 2, and then it's got an upscale of Episode 3.
2: Oh, what a shame.
0: Yeah. It's a bit like Zone 2 3. There's bits of the film that are missing, and I think there's there's chunks of that Blu-ray release, which are upscales.
2: Interesting. Well, I, we'll, we'll get that from Animego. From so...
0: yep. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I've, I really, really want that Dead and Eight really, really do. That would um, be
2: real cool, yeah.
0: And then our final question again, we kind of talked a, a little bit about this, but um, Cho Dory um, at Cho underscore Dory asks Given the choice, would you rather see Gul, uh, given the choice, would you rather see Galforce get a full reboot or, a, or, or see a continue, or see a continued, uh, a continuation of the original OVA series despite the time since the last
2: production. Considering the structure of Galforce, they could do a reboot because Galforce has rebooted itself three times or four times. So yeah. um, I think uh, in fact, if it were a, con- a continuation, it would be a reboot. but uh, no, I, I, yeah. I would love to see you know them do a, a nice reboot of Galforce.
0: Yeah, I would like to see a reboot of it. Yeah, that was all of my questions. So, thank you everybody who uh, who sent those in. So, um, we'll wrap up this episode then. Next episode, uh, Lewis and I will be reviewing *Take the X Train* and Here is Greenwood*. So, oh where to Mars. <laughs> yeah.
2: That, that's an interesting mix right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. So uh, that would be quite an interesting discussion, I'm sure. So Gerald, tell us where we can find, uh, all you and your content on the
2: internet. Yeah. Uh, I am at, uh, I still, we're still putting out after 14 years, uh, anime world order podcast. Our next episode should be out very, very soon. We're doing, uh, year in review 2015 and, uh, we're at animeworldorder.com uh, have been, and probably always will be. And, uh, I write for Otaka USA, and so you can find that on the newsstands, and I also, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gerald underscore A-W-O.
0: Yes, it's a great podcast, Anime World Order. Yeah, highly recommend it, it's well worth listening to. You're slowly getting through that decade in review, aren't you?
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're we're taking our time. It's uh, (laughs) two hours a year, so... (laughs) Yeah, I've been listening to those. It's uh, yeah, you, you, you're churning through it. Yep. That's it's a... just so much to cover, though, isn't it? That's the problem. Yeah. Well, it's when people, whenever I hear old school, you know, fans lamenting about, you know, oh, there's no good stuff. Like, no, there's plenty of good stuff. There's, it's, yeah. There's yeah. like just the season alone has got you know a bunch of good stuff. I, they don't make like a lot of the sci-fi that I like to watch or the mecha stuff that I like to watch, but there's still yeah, good yeah. stuff. They're
0: still good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Again, okay, where you can find us on Twitter, you can find us at RetroAnime. Uh, find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, um, most podcast hosting services. Just search for RetroAnime Podcast. Like, subscribe, and leave us a review, or it helps. We have a website, retroanimepodcast.com. You can email me, Ian, at retroanimepodcast.com. Um, I'm quite active in the Anime UK News Forums. My username is Organ. Also, check out my Mecca podcast, Retro Mecha Podcast. Find uh, us on Twitter at Retro i and on the same uh, hosting sites as this podcast, just search Retro Mecha Podcast. So, Gerald, thank you very much for joining us for this Galforce uh, Force discussion. It's been great having you on. That's been a really, really good discussion. I've uh, really, really enjoyed uh, talking to you about Gulf
2: Force. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm always willing to chat about Galforce. <laughs> yeah, it's been a real pleasure, my friend.
0: Great stuff. So, uh, yeah, thank you again. And uh, we'll wrap the episode up there. So uh, thank you, everybody.